0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week here on the Bus to Think Like a Star. Um, I'm really excited. This week, we're bringing in a guest who has a wicked jump shot, who used to manage 2 chains, and it's just an all-around amazing person. He truly is an incredible storyteller, and he's an underdog, and he's had to reinvent his career several times. What up, everybody? We're here with the one and only America's, maybe the world's most interesting character, Charlie Rocket.
1: Thank you, man. What's up? Thank you for
0: blessing us today, bro. Good to have you here.
1: It's going to be good. You know why? Why? Because we get to talk
0: about basketball. I
1: like that. And nobody ever talks to me about basketball, but that was always my love and passion.
0: Isn't that funny? Yeah, Like you have that childhood dream, you have that childhood love, and you Mm -hmm. never lose it, no matter what area of your life you still are like, man, this is cool, but uh, on the playground back in junior high, that might have been a more fun and happy life. Mm Mm-hmm. So let's talk basketball. Where did this yearning for the love of the game begin?
1: Man, I remember the day church league, I'm like okay. s- six years old. Okay. Like, I walk into the gym and I-, I never felt anything like it. I'd never been in a gym before. And when I look in I just saw ah! it's like the heavens okay. opened up. Okay. And you know, like it's nothing I was I was I was I was anticipating. I wasn't thinking I would like basketball today. But the heavens opened up when I saw that shiny floor, and I was addicted, man. It's all. But I was I was chubby, I was fat. Yeah. Um, but I loved basketball so much. I became known as the guy who could shoot good. Yeah. Because when you when you have something wrong with you, it actually like makes you good at something else. Yeah. So it's like I'm not athletic. You dribble good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta be yeah. like fit to be a good dribbler because you gotta be able to move fast. yeah. yeah. Me, I can't move fast, so. I like basketball, so I need something to be good at. Guess what yeah, I can yeah. do? I could just shoot. I could yeah. just stand here and put up a thousand shots a day. Yeah. And um, man, it, it 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 became it became my life. And uh, yeah, man, got some crazy basketball stories to tell as I got older. Yeah. And uh, I reunited back with my my younger dream when I built my dream studio. I was in the music industry. I managed yeah. two chains for you know ten years. And you know, I, I when we got to a place of success there was always this building in atlanta that was my favorite studio i used to be a cameraman i was okay. soldier boy's cameraman bob's cameraman and uh ti had this studio grand hustle studio
0: oh, i just love the sound of that
1: and i would go in this building and i would film the artists and make little videos for them and i said one day this building is going to be mine and you know who built this studio and how
0: old were you at that point
1: Probably like 20.
0: And you were a videographer. Videographer. So this was like a big, like... Before I was yeah. a
1: manager. Yeah, yeah, like, And I just loved... There was something magical about this building, and it was, actually had a lot of history to it. Big Meech. Anybody know who Big Meech Larry is? Hoover. <laughs> yeah. I know the songs. So, so Big Meech is one of the most notorious gangsters <laughs> in the history of the world. Um, he's, he's currently in jail. Yeah. But he is the one who built this studio, BMF. Okay, that was the name of... Okay. Uh, and they owned Atlanta. Um, and,
0: BMF, like Blow Money Fast or Big Meach? Uh,
1: no, it was a Black Mafia Family. Even better. With Rick Ross <laughs> named the song BMF. He okay. couldn't title it that, so okay. he called it Blowing Money Fast. Gotcha. But yes, it gotcha. was all about Big Meach. See, in the history now. So I always wanted this studio, even though I was just a cameraman. I said, one day this will be mine. Well, it became mine. Kay. And why did I want this studio? Poop Dreams. Full court Hoop basketball dreams. court. It was the man cave of all man caves. Full court basketball court and everything. So, when I was coming up in the hip hop game, I had an artist named Travis Porter, and then I discovered an artist named Titty Boy, changed his name to Two Chains, and we're getting successful. And I kept driving by this studio, and it was empty because T.I. went to jail. He was locked up yeah. for, for a couple years, and it was empty. And I would like try to find who owned it. Yeah. I want this. I can't afford it, but I want it. I just need to know who owns it. And uh, and one day, a real estate agent found me and said, "Charlie, I heard you were looking for the studio. I found the guy who owns it. He lives in uh, like Tempe, Arizona. His name is Jamie." I said, "Can we contact him?" He looked it up, and Jamie was actually evicting. Uh, in the courts, the guy who had it. Yeah, yeah. And he's flying to Atlanta for the court date. I'm standing outside the studio all day waiting for him. You literally just
0: waited because you know he had to stop by at some point.
1: Yeah, because yeah. this place was abandoned. Yeah. Like weeds grown, like window, like things falling off, like taped up door. And I'm standing out front, and I see a car pull up. I was expecting he has to come here. If he came in town, he has to come by yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. He pulls up and I said, is your name Jamie? He, he said, he said, yes, it is. Who the heck are you? I said, I'm your new tenant. <laughs> <laughs> he said, what do you mean? I said, I know you're evicting this guy today and I'm going to take it up off you. And he's never had a good relationship with any of his tenants. Yeah. Bmf, the first people yeah, he rented that, it to. They were the
0: easiest tenants of all time.
1: They went into jail yeah. and uh, then TI took it over. Then they went to jail And here I am, the complete opposite. Yeah, you know, different vibe. Little white guy, chubby. You know, (laughs) you know, just like I'm gonna be your tenant, and um, it became mine, and we became legendary for what we did. With basketball there. Yeah. Because we had a full court basketball court. And we would do the biggest celebrity basketball games in Atlanta. We had the Jim Jones versus 2 Chains basketball games. And and were these
0: like low-key? Like people, like you didn't film them? It was kind of like people were excited to be a part of something? Or was this something that was people knew and came from everywhere to come be a part of?
1: The poor businesses that (laughs) surrounded us. I remember there's a, there's, a, there's a little doggy daycare beside okay. us, <laughs> yeah. and oh my goodness, they're calling me left and right, our customers can't come pick up their dogs, because we had traffic backed up, like a sporting event, like for a mile, back yeah. to the expressway, like if you go to like a stadium, because like, we, we did an RSVP only. Yeah, but that gets celebrity out. Celebrity basketball that game. gets out. Four or five thousand people showed up. <laughs> <laughs> to our studio, that yeah. there were helicopters flying above, filming. Like, this, what is going what on? Is Neighbors, we're just having a game, and it's just the the police department knew me on a first name basis. I was like, I didn't mean to. Like, it yeah. was supposed to be a private little yeah. celebrity basketball game, but um, just a lot of crazy things. Yeah, a yeah. lot of crazy stories. But basketball was always my love.
0: Yeah. And do you feel like because there's a theme that I see common throughout your life, even in that just story of like. Not many people will go and wait, do the research, find out where you got to be, go there and be like, this guy's going to be here. I'm going to wait out here all day. Mm-hmm. And then once he gets here, I'm just going to charm his pants off mm-hmm. and make him feel comfortable and be like, no, I'm the guy that you want to do this with and, and make it happen. And I see this like relentless tenacity mm-hmm. and I want to know if it started with basketball. So I feel like you were like me. Mm-hmm. You were a gym rat. Mm-hmm. You were in the gym. Oh, yeah. everyone else, First one, yeah. there, the last one to leave. Yeah. And so for me, I'm running around doing lots of stuff. You were just shoot shot, like yeah. 500 shots, thousand yeah. shots, just putting up shots all day yeah man yeah
1: the tenacity bro it was i always looked for things like like i would do this little game i would call it like swiss shots okay and i would i would get to school at uh 6 a.m um like school didn't start till like 8 but i would get to school at 6 a.m and i would go practice my swiss shots and the swiss shot would be me standing right under the goal Mm -hmm. one hand And if, and, and, and literally like I'm not shooting a shot, like I'm standing right under the goal, one hand Mm -hmm. follow through. And if it touches the rim, it's a negative point. Okay. And my goal would be to get to 101. Hmm. So, so if I, obviously you're going to make the shot because you're right under the rim, but if it touches the rim, it's negative. Yep. So the goal was to get to 101. So that means I have to swish however many, you know, and that's what was just that precise, I would always look for the small little things I can do over and over and I would do that every morning, and that's why, like, at our studio later on in life, like, I'm, I'm they bring O.J. Mayo to me mm-hmm. and to have a shootout and lots of money is, is yeah. being bet. <laughs> and, you know, he loses thirty thousand yeah, dollars. And, yeah, you know, yeah. all these players and I've never been beat, you know, technically yeah, yeah. In, in a shootout. But it was all those days before school just doing those little swish shots.
0: Isn't it funny? And that is not fun. We know it's fun as going to hit the three pointer. But in order to hit those three pointers, you did hour after hour, rep after rep, and got those in. And we call that form shooting, mm-hmm. that we'd warm up with form shooting. But I would only do like 25 of those left and right, mm-hmm. back up a few different spots, and then go to like other stuff. But to stay there and, like again, relentless and tenacity, just like, all right, I'm going to get this form perfect so that when I step back to 25, 30 mm-hmm. feet, I know exactly it's the same form and it's money every time.
1: And, and I actually um, I, I did it in music as well. Uh, when I, I was in my I was living in my mom's basement and I wanted to be in the music industry. I'd okay. Got,
0: so in what, at what age are you here? This is kind of when you pivot 18 been, years so old. 18, you finish school, you've been loving basketball and, and you're overweight. Like how overweight I've seen some photos. Like you're like
1: between 250, 300 pounds. I would fluctuate. Okay. Okay. So. I got fired. I, I dropped out of college because the Interscope Records called me. And I was like, "We want you to go on tour with one of our artists named Soldier Boy." So yeah. I, I asked my mom. You know, went on tour with Soldier Boy. <laughs>
0: and no one knew him at that time.
1: Or no, no, he he, had, he was just blowing up. Okay, so so it was when I Soulja got Boy with him, he was like aspiring, and then over the next four months, number one artist in the yeah, world, every like every
0: dance song, yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah.
1: So I ended up getting fired. Go back to my mom, like you know, like. I have an idea, I'm gonna be a manager. She said, what do you know about managing hip hop artists? I said, I'm gonna figure it out. Um, Signed this girl group, Uh, they fired me because um, they left me for a big industry manager. Mm -hmm. So in music, I knew I had to like dig in and I didn't have money, lived in my mom's basement, but I had MySpace. Mm -hmm. And I would leave a thousand comments a day on MySpace. And that would be that play I would run, just like the Swiss shots when I was little. I want to be a good shooter. So it's like, give me the one play that I can run every day that will guarantee me the success. And Travis Porter went from, you know, me and nobody to we had three records top 20 in the country. And it's hard taking records top 20 if you don't have a budget. Yeah. But what I yeah. had was a play. Yeah. And I'm doing it right now with my podcast. Yes,
0: I've seen that, yeah.
1: So it's like, I message 500 people a day, like a real message, real conversation. It takes a ton of time. Yeah. But it's like, like I'm just going to run that play. And I'm going to run it for six months. I'm going to run it for 12 months. And then it'll like pick up on its own. Then I won't have to do it. Yeah. Like with 2 chains, when I started managing him, I created one play. Passing out CDs outside of the club every night at 4 a.m. That's it. That was my play. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to boil pots of water. Like, it's hard to boil a lake. But I can take this club, and I can make sure every single person who walks out of this club every week knows who 2 Chains is. Yeah. And then it picks up. So if you take a pot of water and it gets boiling, each little bubble is a person. But if I told you to go boil a lake, you would never get a bubble. Yeah. It would never happen. But if you have a pot of water and you add a little bit of water to it, now the bigger pot gets to boiling. Add a little bit more water to it. Yeah. Now the bigger pot. Technically, you could work your way all the way up to a lake if yeah, you start yeah. with a pot of water. Yeah. So that's what I do. Like whether it's basketball, Travis Porter with MySpace comments, two chains with pastel CDs, or my current podcast, just messaging people. Give me the one simple play. Yeah. And you know. And it's the it's rest is history.
0: it's cool because those things, they aren't glamorous going and doing this a thousand times every day isn't the glamorous thing going and writing these comments takes a lot of time messaging these people is a lot of work being out at 4 a.m dealing with crazy drug people coming Mm. out of a place Mm -hmm. like that's not the glamorous but it literally has taken you to that point of where you've got to do all the fun exciting things and have the impact in life that you want Mm -hmm. and um i think that's such a great lesson that um you know, it really is hard work. It comes back down to hard work. Everyone wants kind of a shortcut. What's the shortcut to success? Mm -hmm. What's all these different things? But it's like, you got to do the little things. And Mm -hmm. then you're going to pick up a little bit of momentum, you're going to get a couple boils, a couple bubbles, and then it'll take off. And then it kind of runs without you. And then you're just trying to hone it in and Mm -hmm. and control like, all right, how do I handle all this momentum Mm -hmm. that's going on? That's awesome. So, so when you were leaving those comments, mm-hmm. it was just like, check out Travis Porter's music or here's like a link no, to see. No,
1: absolutely not. What
0: kind of, yeah. What,
1: what... So it all started from us being put on our first party flyer. Okay. You know, you get put on a party flyer like, oh, we have our own concert, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's like, okay, a, okay. you feel like you're somebody. And we get to the club, nobody's there. I was heartbroken. I was like, this is the most embarrassing thing ever. Nobody yeah. showed up. Yeah. And I I went home that night. It was like 3 in the morning. And I said, I'm never going to let this happen again. Hmm. I took that promoter. He had a MySpace page, a party promoter. And I said, I'm going to talk to every one of his friends. Because they're the ones who are going to come to his party. And I said, I'm going to have a real-life communication with him. So it started with this top eight on MySpace. Message, boom. Like, hey, how you doing? Boom, boom, boom. Like, real conversation using their name. Not say, uh... Check the link in my bio. Like, uh, like, uh, give me feedback. None of that. Yeah. Real human conversation, human mimicry. Yeah. Like when you want to make a friend, you don't walk up to your friend and say, "Hey, can you uh, give me feedback on your music?" No, you say, "Hey, what's up? What's up, man? Like, I like your shoes? I oh, appreciate it, man. Like, what's your name?" like human mimicry so it's like when we're running businesses why do we act like businesses yeah why don't we act like humans yeah you know like i I say it all the time with like email marketing um there was this there was this um company down in santa monica that was a a digital marketing firm and i wanted to hire them for two months so i could but i had one stipulation i wanted to have an office and if, if i hire you i just need to be able to work in here because I just wanted to learn what I didn't know. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to see things that maybe I could learn from them. So I go in and I've been doing a lot of merchandising for my artist two chains and you know, very good at e-commerce. Uh, you ever heard of like kicksonfire.com? Yeah, yeah. So I started kicksonfire with my business okay. partner. We started spitchergame.com which was my hip-hop website when I went on tour with Soldier Boy. But we also started kicksonfire, fashiononfire and different websites. So when I went on tour with Soldier Boy, I told my business partner, you know what? You take the shoe side of things. I'll take the music side of things. Okay. So like e-commerce and digital has been something I've done my whole life. So I wanted to hire this digital marketing firm to see. So I go in, show my accounts, my email marketing. And they said, these, 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 this, these email numbers aren't accurate. We need to connect our Google analytics to it so we can get you the real numbers. I said, Aren't, why isn't it accurate? Like, what's wrong? Why would you say that? Yes, they said, yes, well, yes. nobody has uh, 70% open rates. You know, I said, uh, yes, they do. Like, I do it a specific way. Yes. And then I said, you know what? Y'all do it y'all's way. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Do an email campaign y'all's way and let's see your open rates. Yeah. What did they do? They put together this beautiful template with the header and the background image and the verbiage. Yeah, yeah beautiful bow on the top They have a 20 open rate like most emails do yeah and then i said okay let's do it my way yeah and you know what my email had <laughs> a title three sentences and a link yeah because if i were to email you yo what's up jesse Hey, uh where you gonna be later on this evening oh check out this link That's how we communicate as humans. Now, if I sent you an email, and I did, like me, just like yo, let's hang out tonight, and I gave you a background image with a title and a (laughs) picture of me, you'd be like, yo, Charlie is so weird. Why would he send me an email like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So why, as companies, are we acting like companies? Let's just act like humans. Yeah. When you send an email, rarely do you send it over five sentences.
0: Yeah, yeah. They're short. Sometimes the simple answer. Is the best answer instead of doing some elaborate thing that costs all this money. Like, yeah. like you said, I can, I'm capable of writing someone a message that's mm-hmm. a conversation and treat them like a person. Yeah. And that is more effective than any multi-million right. dollar campaign right. or these types of things. Yeah. What's
1: real? Yeah. Let's just ask ourselves a question. What's real?
0: Yeah. What's really real out
1: here? That's it. So yeah. if you want like to be super successful, like study how to make friends. Yeah. You want you want to grow your fan base? Study how human relations work. Yeah. You know, like, you got to care about somebody else. You yeah. got to say their name when you speak to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to, yeah. like, simple uh, somebody things. Somebody read How to Win
0: Friends and Influence People. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, which yeah. is, like, you know, that's good marketing advice. Yeah. You know?
0: So that makes me think of this. You've been at varying levels throughout your life. Mm-hmm. And you're still young and still going other places. I want to um, talk about that, too, with the health and the running and, and, and the motivation and the inspiration. Yeah. But how... People treated you different when you were the little chubby guy who was hoping to be a manager, than they do now that you're at this level and that you've leveled leveled up and you've gone to these different places. How did you maneuver once you got to a position where people were coming to you for asking for asks like, "Hey, what can you do for me? Can you help blow up my music?" I'm sure mm-hmm. that must have been something you got all the time mm-hmm. and probably still get. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you maneuver with still being like a sincere, genuine person, which you are, in the short time I've known you and I've watched everything, like there's something just about you. And we talked about it a bunch of, of the likability. And I think it's what you're just saying. Like I'm real and I, I'm just honest and i myself and, mm-hmm. and I don't to be, pretend to be something that I'm not. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious when you have people coming and trying to get your time, your attention, music stuff, money stuff, business opportunities, how was that experience for you? And maybe it wasn't a, a big deal and, and I'm kind of off on it. And how did you Kind of play in that area.
1: So, when people would come at me about music, I would tell them, like, um, you first have to be your own manager. You know, like, like you, you're, you've got to create mass. Like, a planet. Now, if Earth wasn't big, it wouldn't have any gravity to attract a moon. Like, you want to attract, you know, a moon, a.k.a. a manager, into your life, or a record label, these are things that like your gravity is going to pull them. So it's on you. Like when we would have an album flop, like say one of 2 chains albums flop, like the second album uh, based on a true story too. It flopped. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so many people would call me and be like, Charlie, man, you should be mad at Def Jam. I said, like, I can't be mad at Def Jam. It's our fault. Like when we were hot, it was because we put in the work. To get hot and then def, def jam did their job properly yeah yeah but then when we were cold it's like we waited too long to release music we changed our formula i can't be mad at def jam yeah. so anytime somebody comes at me i want people to f- empower themselves like for me for example i uh i can't rely on anybody like i you know uh wanted to get on joe rogan's podcast Yeah, yeah, yeah. he didn't respond yeah i can't be mad at that man that's his business yeah yeah he can do what he wants with his business, you know. Like somebody like um, uh, Lewis House has told me no fifteen times. Yeah, I yeah. said I'm just going to keep asking, yeah, you know. Yeah. Like I don't care. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's it's a, <laughs> yeah. like I'm just going to keep asking, and he's been nice enough to yeah. respond, respond to okay. me fifteen yeah. times with yeah. a no.
0: Short answers, short responses. No, yeah, he's been
1: he's been Good. a class act, Good. you know. But he can run his business how he wants. Why would I spend my time being mad at yeah. this man running so his business? Anywhere. It's on me. When I do my job, Lewis House is going to be like, man, we need him on here because it's going to help boost my audience because Charlie's fan base is so rabid. It's got that mass. But I, so I got to get my mass up. Yeah. I got to do my part. Yeah. So when somebody comes to me, Charlie, help me with my music or Charlie, help me with this. I'll give them this advice, but I live it so that they can see that I'm not just telling them to do something. They're seeing that I have goals myself mm. and that they can see how I'm acting. Yeah. Because it's the same way. I'm in the same spot as them. Yeah. Like you're an upcoming artist. I'm an upcoming motivator. I yeah. don't get paid to speak yet, but I will. But I got to hustle my way up. Yeah. So yeah. that's the goal.
0: It's funny. It's those same um, It's those same things. I'm going to keep going back to it because I said it's you in the gym mm. getting your Swiss shots on. Mm. It just over and over again, rinse and repeat and do it. And I think one thing that's cool is I believe one of the, the biggest things is exactly what you're just talking about taking 100 percent responsibility for your life
1: in today's
0: world everyone wants to blame everyone else i wasn't born in the right place um you know we didn't have enough money my skin's Mm -hmm. not the right color Mm -hmm. um because whatever the thing is we're all going to have obstacles we're all going to hit these places where things aren't going our way and and we're down on our luck but it's what you choose to do when you are overweight and you said you know what I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to start running. I'm going to start changing my diet. Mm-hmm. I want to be a manager. Well, I'm going to go and I'm going to figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and whatever, whatever that thing is, it's up to you. And and that's something that I've struggled with, to be honest. Where like when people don't respond to me or something, and I see like, but you went, worked with him. You did something with him. Like I'm way further along than that person. But I had to do that mental shift and mm-hmm. make that that adjustment of. It's their thing. And if they don't want to mess with me, that's why I got to get my mess up so that no one could tell me no. And then when I get there, maybe I won't want to work with them. Maybe they'll be coming to me. And sure. for me as a little guy, yeah. I've always had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, right? You <laughs> know, cause right. It's like I got to prove people wrong. And I've had to make that adjustment over time of like, do it to prove me right. But if it gives me a little extra fuel, you know, stoking the fire to be like, okay, Joe Rogan. You didn't, you didn't uh, email us back to go on the podcast, or who these people are like, okay, well, I'm going to get so big that you have to have me, and I'm going to get that mass up. So I love that, and I think that's a, a huge lesson that I'm still working on. And the, and the other thing that you're saying about, um, oh gosh, what was it? I just had it. Uh, what were you saying? Taking responsibility and, and not letting other people call the shots. Uh, it'll come back to me now. Gosh, it was really good
1: too. Um, <laughs> don't you hate when that happens? <laughs> oh man, it's
0: right take my time. Uh, anyway, so I want to hear the short version because I know you talked about it a lot, and I want to talk about some other things. Uh-huh. But um, as far as like you going from Soldier Boy fired you,
1: uh-huh.
0: and and then you're like I want to manage people. Yeah. So how do how does you how do you go from that to no managing experience? Twenty years old. You know, maybe living in your mom's basement. Yeah. I don't know at this point. One hundred. Uh, there's a guy named Titty Boy, and I'm going to go find him and be his manager. How does that happen?
1: I, so man, when the girl group fired me and left me for the big industry manager, I go right back to my mom's basement. And I'm like, Mom, like, I, I just got fired again. And she said, well, what are you, you going to do? I said, you know what? I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I need a street artist. Like, you know, we gotta keep it Atlanta. Like that's <laughs> yeah. where I'm going wrong. I need a real Atlanta street artist. So I found this group on the east side of Atlanta called Dem Hard Hitters. Okay. And they had the swag, they had you know, they were they were the kings of like the uh the skating rinks. they were, like young, you know, they're yeah, like yeah. seventeen, but there was that hard music. Okay. But I said, we need to change this name because this name, them hard hitters. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it was very hard for them to do because it was tatted on them oh, and everything. Sh- their whole identity was was to this name. Okay. But they changed their name. we're sitting in my mom's basement and they came up with some name that made no sense. Yeah. Still to this day. But you got <laughs> people talking. Their name's Travis Porter. Okay. Changed their name. And that's when we hit the MySpace comments. I'll drive from every radio station from Jackson, Mississippi to Washington, D.C., like just imposing my will. Like I had to win. And I didn't want to sign a record deal. And I remember like one day, you know, uh, Diddy calls me. And... I would like sit in my like, little, like, uh. You're room. in the basement when you get this call? Uh, no, I'm actually. Oh, I wanted you to be just in that basement out so bad. Of my basement into the 500 square foot hood apartment. Okay, okay. Um, levels, we're leveling up. With the, with the, uh, bed and wooden grandma desk from the thrift store. Okay, okay. Making and, it happen. And I would be talking to my best friend on the phone, Tasia, and, uh, I, I said, oh, "I'm getting a call. Put yourself on mute, and I'll, I'll, I'll like conference her in, like yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. she could just always hear the conversations." And I said, yeah. "This is a this LA number calling me. Like this is cool. Like yeah. this must be important." So I said, "Put yourself on mute. Conference it in." And it was Diddy. <laughs> Tasha's like, "What? Who is <laughs> Charlie Rocket right now?" <laughs> and and I just like, I, "I'm talking to him. He's like, love what you're doing with Travis Porter. Really want to sign him.'" I said. Sorry, we're not interested in a record deal right now because I didn't want my group to leave me like how my last group left me. I didn't want them to get a big head and be worrying about record labels. I wanted them yeah. to remain like entrepreneurial minded. We're going grind. Hustle, yeah. So I told Diddy straight up, not interested in a record deal. And to be honest, every young artist in hip hop knows you don't want to sign to Diddy. You want to hang out with Diddy. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to sign to Diddy okay. because it's just, you know, got a bad rep. Okay. as far as uh, record label executive, He's the star. Yeah, you know? yeah. he's in he, your video. He promotes yeah. you and then he moves on. Yeah. You know, so yeah. um, that's just his, that's his yeah. play that he runs. Yeah. So I knew in my head I never wanted to sign to him. I didn't want to disrespect him, but I, I told him straight up, we don't we don't want to sign to Bad Boy. Yeah. And But he wouldn't give up.
0: <laughs> bad Boy,
1: Bad Boy. He gets what he wants, this guy. <laughs> he actually persisted. said that to me at one point, and I'll <laughs> tell you the <this> story. <laughs> So, Travis Porter's blowing up. We have a record go. Uh, so, here's a dumb question I'm going to ask you. Uh-huh. So, Travis Porter is kind of like the Migos. It's
0: a couple people. It's three people. Okay, I thought that's how, that's how dumb I am. It's I was okay. like, I thought Travis Porter was a guy named Travis Porter. Uh-uh. It's three people like Migos. Okay, and that none just. Of their names okay, are okay. Travis okay, got it. it. you like, it makes no sense. Got it's it.
1: It's okay. Okay. So, we have this record blowing up, top 20 in the country. All the record labels are trying to sign us. Huge bidding war. And the record labels are like, Charlie, uh, I'm I'm 19 years old at the time, uh, record labels like, Charlie, let us fly you up to New York to meet with us. And I'm like, I'm not going to let you fly me up to New York. I'm going to fly myself and I'm going to meet with the other record labels while I'm there because this is a bidding war. And they're just, I don't want to like, owe you anything. Don't you hate that? Like, that's why I never
0: want anyone to do anything because exactly. I want. I don't. No, I don't. Like, you got this for me. Like, cool. That doesn't mean I'm going to do stuff with you. Okay, I love it. I love it. And at 19, you had the foresight to be like,
1: "No, nah, I'm doing it my way." Exactly. Oh, it's so good. So, I there were four record labels that I wanted to be pinned against each other as possible prospects. Okay. that We wanted to sign to, so we go to New York. I've got them all set up. The very first meeting, we catch the first flight out, boom, we're meeting with Warner Brothers. Okay, they bring us into the conference room, and the meeting was so boring. I thought
0: like it was gonna be one of those corporate emails, <laughs> like, like it's like one of those in, in a meeting forum.
1: Todd Moskowitz was there, uh, Joey Ie, like yeah, and and it's, we're sitting there, and it just was a boring. It was a, they're supposed to be courting us, but we're just sitting at a conference table. Yeah, the fellas fell asleep. Travis Porter fell asleep during the meeting. <laughs> That's how bad. That's it not was. a good. Yeah. That starts off our entire bidding war <laughs> trip to New York. Yeah. And I've been what all a cocky and stuff. Like we're the biggest thing in hip hop. You got to give us two million dollars. And it was just terrible. So we leave the Warner Brothers meeting, <laughs> and we go to lunch with Monty and Avery Lipman. Okay. They run Universal Music Group. Okay. Big. Yeah. Big. Lunch meeting at Mr. Chow's. Okay. Have you ever been to okay. a restaurant that fancy? Yeah. We're just from Atlanta, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, we go to like. We're myspace. If we go to Benihanas, it's a, we it's a big deal. Big day, yeah. But, but so Mr. <laughs> Child's like we're having, you know, these lettuce wrap. Taco looking oh, things. Oh, yeah, yeah, with the and, drizzle sauce. And, the drizzle. Yeah, yeah. and we did, and Montana we were like, order as much as you want. And we're yeah. like, more, more. This time you'll take it. Yeah, I don't want the flight, but this is pretty good. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this bill has to be a couple thousand dollars. Yeah, like, yeah. and uh, so that meeting went great. Okay. That was One awesome. for two. So we're one for two at this point. The next meeting, we go to Atlantic Records. And Atlantic, they straight up told us, they said, If you want a lot of money, we're not going to give it to you. This is a country club. You should want to sign here. This is an exclusive club of artists. We have the best in the business. We're not going to give you any money, but we're going to make you famous. And I'm like, I don't want to hear that. I want money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm tired of these hopes and dreams. Like, I need $2 million or or I'm going to be Diddy.
0: (laughs) That's so funny. Wait, wait, which one was that? The Atlantic third one. Records. Atlantic, okay, okay. And they're
1: like the most powerful people in the movie. They are, industry. so it is, that's they're like They're very the, confident. They yeah. were the hottest. It sounds like they're, yeah. So, felt a little beaten down by it that they didn't... We weren't as desired for them. You know, yeah. we want them to, you know, yeah. want us. Yeah. But instead, they just cared about themselves. <sighs> that's a
0: power play, right? Like, because maybe they could make you the biggest artist in the world, yep. and two two
1: millions nothing after that. So then... The last, cap it all off. Interscope. No, okay, Dive I, Records. Okay, okay. Interscope would have had to been with Diddy because Diddy had his deal through Interscope. Uh, okay, okay. So the Diddy deal, all Interscope the labels tail. go through a sub-label. Okay. So like if you sign to Interscope, you have to go through Mike Will or you have to go through Polo the Don. or You have to go through, you know, so there's okay. always sub-labels that... Uh, so if you signed the Interscope you gotta be signed to keep in else. mind this is the guy that thought Travis Porter was, uh, was a
0: person <laughs> so I'm following you but okay okay I got you wait okay. so okay the so last I feel like something crazy is gonna happen at this meeting it just has to it's,
1: the last meeting was with Jive Records okay Jive invites us and this is in some, this big Sony Music Building huge go up the elevator we get off the elevator and I felt like I was in a movie I'm talking about there were hundreds of people clapping and cheering. (laughs) Like, there's Travis Porter posters covering up Justin Timberlake on the wall. (laughs) Covering (laughs) up Britney Spears with Travis Porter everywhere. Everybody, hundreds of people are wearing Travis Porter shirts. There's balloons. I'm like... They want you. I'm like, this is what it feels feels like like to have a bidding war. Like, they want us. Yeah. And I was so just enamored by the posters and the balloons and the big boss, Barry Weiss, he was there and it was just incredible. And I was like, I want to sign to these guys. Yeah. Like in my head, like, this is what, this is how I want to where be we're treated. supposed to be. Yeah. Great meeting. So I'd go home. Fellas, they're going off to the club with like Universal Music Group, like one of the ANRs is like, "Let me take you all to Greenhouse tonight."
0: Yeah, I'm show you a good guy. time. Why you, don't you
1: And I don't club. Yeah. I don't drink. I don't yeah. smoke. I'm like, y'all go have a good time. Yeah. I'm going back to the hotel to celebrate. With I'm, going to with <laughs> I'm going to hang out with Jive. I'm going to hang out with Jive Records guys. So I go to the hotel. I'm in the shower, showering up, and I see on the sink through the shower curtain my phone ringing. I'm like, look out! Look at my phone. P Diddy. Mm, I don't want to talk to him right now. It's like, mm, I don't feel like getting cussed out. You're blocking his calls. Okay.
0: It could be dangerous. Could be dangerous, but okay.
1: So, so then I'm, you know, back in the shower. I see it call in again. Mm, call in again. Called 10 times.
0: He really is persistent. You want to talk about
1: persistent tenacious. So I was like, oh my goodness. So I get out the shower, dry off, call him. Hey, what's up, man? You're going to come to my city <laughs> yes. and not have the respect to meet with me? You're not going to, you're going to meet with, 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 uh, you're going to let Monty and Avery take you to Mr. Charles and eat chicken on a stick? <laughs> what's he got a spice on you? And I'm thinking to myself, because he said, you eat chicken on a stick? Like, people don't even go to that Mr. Child's anymore. And I thought to myself. That was chicken on the stick. He said, that might as well be mall chicken. I was like, it Took you is to Chipotle. chicken. And I'm like, oh. and then he said, you're going to let Jive Records throw you a pizza party? And I'm like, it was a pizza party. <laughs> He's got you and I together. thought at the time it was the coolest thing ever. But when Diddy says it, it's like, wow, it's a pizza party. Yeah. And I'm falling for it. He said, don't fall for that corporate bull. You know, those are the oldest tricks in the book. And you come to my city and you won't even meet with me. I said, I was always honest with you. <laughs> You're a dead man. No, 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 no. Okay. And I was I we'll always made sure I was I was honest with him. Yeah. You know, like we weren't interested in signing with Bad Boy. Yeah. And he said, Come over to the condo. Like I we've gotta meet. And I said, I'm I'm about to go to bed. The fellas are going to the club later on with Universal. You know, he said, I'll send a car. I said, No, 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 don't send a car. He said, Meet with me. And I, when he like said it for the tenth time, I'm like, Okay, okay, okay. I mean, who doesn't want to go to Dindy's yeah, penthouse? Yeah, like, yeah. So secretly, and he's inside. demanding.
0: Yeah, you're really. It's so hard to get. You'd be such a good girl. Like, <laughs> I can't go on that date. No, I can't. I got other plans. I'm not sure why that's where
1: I went with it, but okay. <laughs> So we we go we drive ourselves over um, and we go up you know on the elevator. He sent a car? Uh, No, no. We we made sure you know we did ourselves because I never know uh, yourself. cars are tapped or you know like I never know. (laughs) Seen a lot of movies. Yeah, you know it's like relaying information. Yeah, so I was like we'll drive ourselves and uh, we go up penthouse suite and knock on the door and uh, the most beautiful woman. And the history of the world, opens the door. I mean, I fell on the ground. Like I'm like me and Travis Porter were there. Like I fall on like I didn't fall on the ground. Yeah. I wanted to fall yeah. on the ground, but it was Cassie. Oh, oh, so nice. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was amazing. Perfect skin. And we go into the we go into the condo, and she's like dragging a four foot bottle of moette across the living room floor <laughs> y'all want to have anything like this is absurd like yeah. in mean, a movie like yeah. we're overlooking the whole city and then diddy walks out and you know small talk and he's like you know what i want to take y'all to the club tonight <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to go to bed uh, and i have to explain to him which is very hard Universal is already taking them to the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. then I have to say that to him, like I have to like stand up to him. It's like, no, you can't. Diddy, King of New York, cannot yeah. take yeah. Travis Porter to the club. And 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 he says, Charlie, let me talk to you. <laughs> and he, I'm like, okay, I'm just 20 years old. I'm just in like, in, you know, and it's the, my idol. You know, everybody idolizes Diddy. Yeah. And, you know, he takes me into like the hallway near the door. And he's like, Charlie, like, let me take him to the club. Like, just trust me on this one. I'm like, okay. Yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what are you going to do? I no, and he pulls me to the side. Yeah. And uh, he's good. Oh, and, he's good. You know, I go back to the, to, the, to the hotel and I wake up the next morning to a text message. With a link to the New York Post. I do what could this be? Click on it. Travis Porter signs to Diddy. I'm like losing it. I call the fellas, they're all asleep. Like, we had a like, great night. What happened? Let's do it. what happened when I went to bed? But Diddy's so smart Yeah. that he didn't want to be left out of the game. So he took Travis Porter to the club, had the DJ. Say something on the mic, and somebody sent something to somebody who reports at the New York Post. (sighs) Anyways, that was Diddy's way of playing the game. And I'm just like, jeez, I got a lot to learn. (laughs) I got a lot to learn. You get to learn it from the top guy. So did you end up going... With him? No. Oh, you did. Oh, jeez. But Jive Records, they knew I was very serious and wanting to sign with them. They said, "Why would you sign to Diddy?" I'm like, well, I didn't I did. He just. problem is, he kidnapped me. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, we ended up um, committing to Jive. Okay. For an over two million dollar deal. Good. We got the money deal. That's what we needed. Uh, well. Wait. No, he didn't take it. <laughs> no, Diddy messed it up. Uh. So we were supporting ourselves with our song that was at radio. Okay. It is very expensive to take a record top 20 in the country. Yeah. I didn't have any money. Yeah. I, was, I had the record top 20 in the country by driving around the radio stations. Hmm. So here we are in the middle of a record contract negotiation. Attorneys going back and forth, you know, fine points. It takes yeah. a couple months yeah. to get all the details worked out. Well, in that time, the record fell at radio it went from like number 15 to number 22 to number 25 what song was it go shorty go okay so jive records is here i had to cut a big check to this group that is falling
0: yeah had a moment and we don't know if they're going to sustain or yeah
1: and i remember i'm at the studio and jeff sledge and neil levine they were the ones signing us Mm -hmm. Called me and Jeff Slevage loved me. He was my friend, but it was his bosses that who made the who pulled the plug. He said, "Charlie, I just I just talked to my higher ups and um, they want to they want to pull the plug." And I'm screaming like I'm like I've already pictured my life. Yeah, yeah. I've been fired uh, from some money's Ward. Yeah, spent. <laughs> I had been fired from my girl group, and now I've got my first big thing all the way to where I wanted it, and they're pulling the plug on the record deal. Mhm. And I, I was screaming and yelling. I said, you're going to want to sign us again. And I'm just like throwing stuff. And uh, all the fellas are like, what's wrong? I was like, job just pulled the plug on us. They got cold feet. The deal yeah. was so big that they went from a $2 million record deal to a $200,000 record deal like that. They hmm. said, well, if you want a deal, this is our new offer. I said, I said, Okay. I had to restart the engine. I had to find another hit. Yeah. So I, I brought Travis Porter together. We had a Come to Jesus meeting. They were struggling, like money was running out, shows were slowing down. And um, there was this kid, He's uh, he was our engineer, and he was homeless at the time before I met him. Hmm. He was homeless. His name is Marcus. And um, he would mix songs for us for about $50 a song and I went over to a studio where he was living um, inside the studio on the couch and I'd give him the money and I, saw, and I saw all this pain I said, what's wrong? I was like, man, nothing, man. And I owed him like 150 bucks. Something told me to just give him 500 bucks. Like I just saw this pain. I felt it and I said, you know what? I'm going to give this guy a job. I said, Travis Porter needs an engineer. I'd pick him up every day in my car, drive him to the studio, And one day he brought a keyboard to the studio. And he's an engineer. Like, I'm like, what you got a keyboard for? Like, you know, kinda make beats, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I dabble. You don't know how to make beats. Let me play you this song. So he made a beat. (laughs) He made a beat that day. Made a couple beats that day. This was the very first beat he made. Check this out. This was the very first beat he made. Cash. <laughs> <ass. laughs> Top 10 record in the country. <laughs> on the keyboard. On the keyboard. Hold on. Homeless Marcus. The, the second Productions. Beat, the, the second beat he made. Second beat he made. stop stop it on the keyboard yep on the keyboard and then that song was called bring it back make it rain bring it back yeah and I heard those songs I called Jeff Sledge it's over I said just you wait just you wait wait till you see what I'm about to do I remember I was going through the toll booth on Georgia 400 (laughs) like looking for 50 cents I said Jeff just you wait I'm about to take over the city you're gonna wanna sign us again yeah those records both went top ten. Yeah, huge. The Jive signed us. They gave us our deal, and guess the original what? deal. The original, okay. Deal? And guess what happened with Marcus? That guy, the homeless guy who made those beats, he went on to discover this artist and sign this artist. <laughs> He's discovering artists now. Oh, he goes. Yeah, he goes from like, from homeless, homeless to, to
0: keyboarding. <laughs> I'm the biggest fan of this
1: man in the world this is Post Malone so he went on to he discover, found him he on SoundCloud he, no no he before SoundCloud he, he got him going he, on SoundCloud He put yeah so he discovered um, Iggy Azalea Post Malone his name if you want to look him up on Instagram his name is good job first oh I'm about to follow this guy immediately yeah. he's a huge producer now record exact legend and it all- Do you know this guy?
0: Yeah, every post on, song, good job first. Yeah. Oh, exactly.
1: yeah. every single- <laughs> oh, it's
0: amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's so crazy. Yeah. That's so awesome. So, okay. So from there, I want to get to how this happens with 2 chains, mm-hmm. And then I want to pivot and I want to talk about you and all your stuff because I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm more excited because this is cool too. But I want to, so
1: how does this get you to that point? I remember Travis Porter was invited to a Lil Wayne music video. Okay. It was just in one of those studios with the white wall, you know, the psych wall. Yeah. And my Do you remember what song? Um Amelia. Big, Amelia. Uh, it was actually called Big Dog Status. Okay. Not okay. a popular song okay. at all.
0: I know. It. And <laughs> not a
1: big deal. <laughs> and I was like, this is my first time being around Lil Wayne and I'm like, wow, like that's a superstar right there. Like, wow, Lil Wayne. Yeah. And then I look to the right and this guy walks in the room. And the climate in the room completely shifted. Yeah. Like, I'm talking about, it was a total different feeling than when Lil Wayne walked in. Yeah. This guy's six foot six. Got, like, ten chains on, like, dressed to perfection. Yeah. You know, like, and I said, that's a superstar right there. Yeah, who is that? And he's like, I knew who it was. Oh, you did, okay. But I'd never been in his presence because he was a fallen off rapper. Like, nobody cared about him. It was this guy who was in a group who was signed to Ludacris for 10 years. His name was Titty Boy. He literally had everything going against him. Like, his name was Titty Boy. He yeah. couldn't even <laughs> say his name on the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that artist uh, known as uh, and, Boy. And everybody in the city of Atlanta in the music industry knows, like, that dude's talented. But uh, he's untouchable. Like, he's been locked up in a deal forever. He's irrelevant. And, and my business partner knew him. My business partner used to be a DJ. And he had did a mixtape for him one time, man. We need to sign Teddy Boy, man. We need to take him solo. Two Chains did not want us to manage him. He looked at <laughs> us as like street team. Yeah. He wanted some like big industry manager yeah. to manage him because he had been around Lil Wayne his whole life. He had been around like Ludacris his whole life, like. And then me, I was just like three hundred pound like cameraman guy. Yeah. A business partner was just a DJ, and then our other business partner was like a street dude from Savannah. Like yeah. so, he looked at us as like, yeah, y'all go like pass out. But CDs. you had Travis Porter going at this point, so you have some. But he like, didn't look up to Travis Porter. He didn't. He's like that's he low level. Know. I'm, a, I'm Like they kids. Yeah. Like I'm like you know big deal. Yeah. And as he should think he yeah. is, but little did he know he at the time he he wasn't. Yeah. Um, but I said, let me show you what we can do, and I didn't ask for permission. The other industry manager used to come to the meetings, and then he stopped because we were running circles around him. Yeah. Like, I would be outside this club every night passing out those CDs, and I remember one night, 2 chains walked out of the club, 4 o'clock in the morning, and he looked over, and I'm out there in the rain, passing out a CD, and then I saw the look on his face. Hmm. And that's when I believe he knew, like, wow, that's what it's like to have a manager. Yeah. Like somebody who cares that much that they can own the company, and yet he's the one passing out the CDs. Yeah, yeah. Like, we went from, you know, n- no money, you know, making zero shows, zero dollars a show, to making 150000 a show, to winning Grammys, eight world tours, many platinum albums. So, we worked our way all the way up. Yeah. You know, and that was when I got, you know, that's when I got sick. Yeah. That's when I got sick. So I was over 305 pounds on top of the world, had everything you can ever imagine. And you're just a workaholic at this point. So you've you've worked with him for like t- 10
0: years mm-hmm. and you've got it up to, it was like 15 million 15 a year. 15 million
1: a year, yeah. And,
0: and, but your health has come second. You've yeah. sacrificed your your mental and physical 100%. health. Okay. Okay. 100%. Yeah.
1: Um, business for me was uh, just a trigger for an addiction, a food addiction. Okay. So like, stress would lead to food celebration would lead to food yeah, yeah. and like deal making would lead to food yeah yeah so it's like my entire we day was, <laughs> was like just a trigger for for an addiction so um i remember when i was uh 305 pounds and i was diagnosed with a brain tumor i went to two chains and i said i want to retire and he thought I was he thought I was crazy. He's like, well, What are you gonna do? Like what do you mean? Like retired, what what do yeah. you like you're young, you're twenty eight yeah, years old. Kid. And I'm like, I I've gotta I've gotta I've gotta reinvent my life. Like I can't do music anymore. He said, What are you gonna do? I said, I'm gonna be an athlete. Hmm. I was like, I need to create the version of myself that's gonna save my life. Yeah. And me being a music executive is gonna kill me. And a lot of times like 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 in hip hop, for example, like uh I had artists get killed, I had been shot at, two chains been shot at, like studio almost gets shut down by the city you know hip-hop is very violent yeah why would they shoot at you just curious i was breaking up a fight okay you're just kind of in the, in the mix of something okay. yeah and it's yeah, just, just time like and they tips. go to you
0: yeah. know and i don't you, know but i don't take your are for <laughs> <laughs> you know you have this trap house and, uh keep in mind Travis Porter. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you said yeah i don't know what it's like to be shot at well thankfully i I
0: grew up on a little island in Alaska, so I gotta <laughs> tell you my story, so I'm grew up on a little island in Alaska, took a boat to school, uh, my mom's a school teacher, my dad's a logger, <laughs> haven't been shot at, but so, I do have some street cred, I feel like, so you so probably feel a lot of that same presence that you felt when you met 2 Chains, when when you met me, I would just, I just assume it, you don't have to say it, you don't have to say it, but I'll just assume it, but no, I have not been shot at, so... You were so, going through some serious lifestyle things. So
1: Yeah, it was it was rough like with the violence of hip-hop and like so much of my family They would be like concerned about like, you know, my my well-being, yeah. you know, with being in hip-hop
0: But that was a concern from the beginning just even 4 a.m Outside of places that you were outside. I've been to Atlanta mm-hmm. like I'm sure there was some sticky Situations and things that happen all the time. Yeah,
1: but I, t- I told my family I said look I did a Google search No, 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 it's good. good. I googled it. I'm safe. I'm
0: good good now. I googled it, so it said I should be okay.
1: (laughs) Sorry, sorry. I did a Google search, and I searched. This is not funny, but you just made it funny. Can't wait to see what this is. <laughs> is going be something.
0: I know it's something ridiculous. It's not funny. It's something no, ridiculous. it's not. It's, it's not? Okay. okay, sorry. And sorry. you're
1: making me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so I did a Google search, and I searched how many gun deaths are there a year. Okay. 22,000. Okay. And then I searched how many cardiovascular deaths are there a year. Okay. 600,000. Yeah, not even close. And I, I told my family, I said... My health, me being at three hundred pounds, is gonna kill me long before a gun or hip hop ever would. Yeah. I said there's more violence going on in my kitchen than at my studio. <laughs> yeah. Like one hundred percent. Like yeah. and and that's why I wanted to make the decision to save my life. It was because I was on a path I was I was experiencing so much violence with my health. I wasn't gonna make it. Yeah. You know. Twenty two thousand, that's a lot of deaths, by the way. Yeah. But six hundred thousand is astronomical. Yeah. And nobody's talking about it. Everybody's worrying about oh the violence. Like no, there's so much more violence going on just with the way we eat and the way this I mean, seven out of ten Americans in this country are overweight. Yeah. Isn't that seven crazy? Out of 10. Yeah,
0: that's crazy. That's insane. Yeah. And I, I was one of them. And a lot of them are young, like kids. Oh yeah. Which is
1: crazy. Like anyways so when I left hip hop it was to save myself yeah from what was gonna kill me hard decision
0: or like you were no like I know this is and I'm out and, it, it was, and able to rip the bandaid uh, off kind uh, of
1: thing. yeah I'm gonna I'm a rip the bandaid off kind of guy yeah um, but I have I also have a lot of confidence in, in what I'm gonna do and when yeah. I was talking to 2 chains he said well what are you gonna be I'm gonna be an athlete You know, like, I'm going to do an Ironman in New Zealand, and I'm telling this, I'm fat. And he's like, okay. And he didn't really understand (laughs) until I said, this isn't my practice life. This is my only one.
0: Hmm. That's
1: when he got it. I walked away from the business. I lost 130 pounds, did five marathons, an Ironman in New Zealand, biked across America, became a Nike athlete, was in the big Colin Kaepernick commercial, and all this in the past year. And the cover of...
0: Runners World magazine. Runners World magazine.
1: Mhm.
0: Respect, man. Thank you. That's man. so cool. And so, and again, that just came from discipline. Mm-hmm. Of I'm getting up early and running and working out and and changing my diet completely. That was kind of the, the path to losing all that weight. That's a that's a lot in a fairly short amount of time. It yep. seems like that's
1: a really short amount of time to lose that much. I was able to do it. I, I wanted to create a new algorithm for my life. So, like, let's take social media, for example. Social media has an algorithm. Uh, uh, social media knows to feed us candy. Things that look good, taste good, it's going to keep us on the app longer. Yeah, yeah. But if we eat too much candy, what happens to us? Yeah, we not good. We get sick. Yeah. Well, in my life, something similar was happening. I was liking candy, and then yeah. all this candy, this, this world is built around me yeah of all these things it's called the law of attraction yeah to where social media like something now the artificial intelligence and the machine learning sh- only shows me stuff like that but if you want to reset the algorithm there's only one thing you can do delete everything unfollow everybody and then tell the machines show me this I'm gonna like Jesse gluten-free I'm bread like
0: like so you you made it a healthy lifestyle. Well,
1: I had to change everything that I was consuming. Yeah not Just you know not not just food. Yeah, but in my new algorithm for my life first I got rid of television. I got rid of social media. I took a one-year break from social media mm. I got rid of meat. I got rid of dairy. I went vegan. I got rid of my city I got rid of my business I got rid of friends and I literally stripped my life profile down To nothing and when I added something back in Hmm. that's my way of telling the universe God law of attraction give me more of this yeah so where I only followed motivational people on Instagram yeah I only ate fruit instead of candy which is funny because candy always mimics fruit Hmm. It, it, all candy is mimicking fruit. Yeah. Well, I don't want to eat the candy anymore because I'll make me sick Just give me the real thing that it's trying to act like yeah Because fruit yeah. is colorful and fruit is sweet. Yeah, so I changed everything I was consuming and I was able to attract so much into my life where the law of attraction built this whole world around me based around the things I said I like this So it built more around me and it gave me more of it, just like how social media does. So I made a new algorithm for my life. Hmm.
0: Now while you were going through that year of building this new life, was it... Was it challenging? Uh, starting kind of like a, basically a whole new life. Like and I love what you said of like I this I only get one. Like mm-hmm. you know it's this isn't my practice run. I'm gonna do it. I want to do it at the highest level of happiness and fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we think we'll find that in in career in a, in success mm-hmm. in the workplace. And you got to where you wanted to be in in your career. But that other part wasn't there. So when, so when you made that transition, was it, did you second guess, like, oh, maybe I should have stayed doing that? Or have you just been all in and, and rolling and, and it's been pretty the, pretty, pretty never positive? A right
1: time to leave. Yeah. You know, like, if I had left six months earlier, you know, it would have been just as scary as if I left six months after. Or would I have ever done it? I don't know. But it was scary. Because you don't know where the money is going to come from. You don't. I didn't know I was going to be a Nike athlete and then Nike commercial. I can't predict that. Yeah. That's what I wanted. Yeah. You know, I, I I couldn't predict what happened, but, um, yeah, it was it was scary, but, you you. You jump in, the pool, and you know it's scary jumping first of all. Like that. Like you think you're going to drown if you don't know how to swim. Yeah. Um, but I only have two options. I'm going to learn really 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 fast, or I'm going to die. I don't want to die, but I got to jump in. But what I noticed is there were so many people there to help me every time. So when I jumped in again and I couldn't swim, like people jumped in to help me. So then I'm like, oh, like I'm yeah. going to keep jumping. Like I'm yeah, never yeah. going to die because people are always going to save me. Yeah, they're throwing me floaties. And, yeah. and there was a movie that actually like inspired everything for me, um, Moana. Okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's the movie I thought you were going to say. What? <laughs> How did that inspire you? I mean,
0: here's a little island girl. Okay. <laughs> okay, perfect. No, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, it's all making sense for me now. <laughs> As you know me, little island girl. You've been
1: shot at. You know, Milana <laughs> I can't wait to see how these worlds collide. Everybody was... She was called to go on a, on a journey. Yeah. To save the world. And her family, everybody with, who was realistic, said, that's a mistake. You should stay here. Yeah. But she kept being called. And she overcame it and she went And anytime she would fall off the boat the universe would like the magical water like would help her out and put her back yeah and that was what was happening with me like I was called to go on a journey like I need to leave my career I need to leave my city I need to go out on this journey to save myself but also save other people and anytime I would fall off my boat the water would like put me back on mm. and it's like after a while, you realize, I can't fail because I'm doing something bigger than me. And there's all these things here to help me. Yeah. So it was just, it was just yeah. like Moana. Isn't that just like Moana? The Rock, The Rock was calling you. Isn't The Rock in that one? Yeah. Okay, I need
0: to watch that one too. Put it on the list, okay? <laughs> Travis Porter, more than one person. Moana, The Rock, we need to watch it. Um, no, I, I love that. And, and I actually just remembered what I couldn't think of earlier. So okay. I want to go back to it, but I think it'll take us to where, where we can um, get off on this right here but um, I love people and you started resetting your life and you found people that were putting positive positivity in your life following Mm -hmm. those types of accounts and and those type of people but what I love about you and and what I look for in people that I look up to that I want to make mentors that I want to be around and in my circle or put their content in my life Mm -hmm. is people who are actively living out the things that they are talking about. Right, right, right. Because there's a lot of people that, um, yeah, and, I, and not that there can't be good in that, and I'm still, you know, figuring out what I think of that, but when someone mm-hmm. is like The Rock, mm-hmm. getting up at 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. and doing those workouts, it's like, it's the hard work. It's the swish shooting, Yeah, you know, it's the MySpace, right, it's, it's those things. And not only have you done that to get to where you are, mm-hmm. but then you had the humility to switch it over and look, hey, there's something bigger than this right here, and I found now something that's, I'm thinking, I'm guessing for you, probably more fulfilling, and 100%. and and um, knowing that you're helping other people to empower other people, um, and so I just like really appreciate and respect that about you, Thank um, you because a lot of people, um, you know, they're, maybe they're putting some stuff out, but it's just inspiring when, when the actions speak louder than the words. You
1: know, that was the vision. I I love self help. Yeah. Like, I, I do love self help. Okay. I, but I've, i the, the, that information has always been from my mind. Yeah. The times I've changed drastically in my life is when there was information that was given to my heart. Hmm. And conversations started in my heart. Self help, data, Google searches, mind. Yeah. Moana, a movie that like makes you feel emotional. Like, we've never said the words, um, actually, you say it real quick say follow your mind follow your mind it feels weird right it doesn't even sound right yeah instinctively yeah we know to say follow your heart yeah now if i were to say point at yourself you would not point here this is yeah. weird like oh yeah. yeah this is me like we yeah. don't point here we point here yeah. like our hearts have intelligence yeah it knows things exactly like how our minds do now the 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 the, the, the scientists they can uh they can, they can measure the field that comes off of your head, yeah. and they can measure the field that comes off of your heart. Your head has about a three-foot range. The heart has at least an eight-foot range.
0: Hmm. It might
1: go further, but the instruments can't measure. Yeah. This heart is an antenna. It's like a radio. It can receive. It can send out. It can transmit. It knows. That's why we say follow it. Yeah. It can't play tricks on us like our brains can. Yeah. It just knows what we need. Hmm. And there's two types of teachers in the world. And I want to sit in the middle. Okay. Self-help. Do this, 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 this. Wake up earlier, eat healthier. Da, here's da, da. the information. Yeah, here's the steps. And then there's Walt Disney. Yeah. Who is going to teach you a lesson through, whatever, Lion King, um... But we don't realize we're being taught a lesson, but we learn through people's stories. And on this podcast, I've told a whole bunch of stories. I yeah. haven't told anybody the words, you should, not Yeah. Want. yeah. And yeah. yet, everybody who's listening or watching is like, oh, I'm going to do that or I'm going to do that. But we don't have to say the words, you should, if you want to teach. I want to live and tell the stories of what I've experienced so it can spark conversations in people's hearts. Because if we can get somebody to have a conversation with their heart... And get them out of their head where they're playing tricks. Oh, I don't want to do it. I want to do it. That's what our heads do. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. I love it, man. Thank you, man. I love it. We we, uh,
0: we believe in a similar thing. We talk about it a lot here. And how we kind of describe it is we give... People what they want mm-hmm. so that we can give them what they need because mm-hmm. some people can't receive it like this um, and so they need a little bit mm-hmm. of this fantasy world and the fun and the laughs mm-hmm. and the jokes and the basketball cool. stuff but now that you're listening now we're gonna pepper you with a little bit of this with a good story so I, I totally connect with you know that
1: what I call that what
0: do you call it it's a pool
1: okay now you got to have a shallow end of the pool which is that stuff they want yep. it's easy for them to get in yeah anybody can get into the shallow end. yeah But a pool that's only shallow sucks you got to have a deep end. But that's the scary end. Yeah. So you got to have what people want, and then you got to have what people need. And that's where us being honest or us having real conversations, that's the deep end of the pool. Where a lot of times people just won't hear that early on. But it's like, that's why I can't be mad at a guy if, you know, he's got a Lamborghini. You know, like, that's the shallow end. That'll drive people in. But if you're only the shallow end, that pool is not fun to swim in. That's not a good pool. Can't dive in the shallow end. You can't even dive. It's like, we can all get in it. But there's no depth. Yeah. There's nothing deep. Yeah. But we need depth. Yeah. I
0: love it. So you have had some great stories. I want you to tell one more story, mm-hmm. and then we'll let you get the heck out of here. But um, the one that you shared with me the other day about um, the Colin Kaepernick commercial, mm-hmm. of how it even came to be that you were even you know, around this and, mm-hmm. and what happened from there. So you decided you were going to be a Nike athlete, mm-hmm. which... And you're 305 pounds at this point mm-hmm. and you said most people would be like well what sport are you gonna do here how, how is this gonna happen what's mm-hmm. the play here so <laughs> I, I'd love for you to break that down in the video I think I actually saw it today or yesterday mm-hmm. of that did you just post it or just pop up I in reposted my post okay yeah. we post it yeah that has it so so I'll let you take it from there I want to
1: so Nike is an amazing company because they inspire yeah I'm like wow like I like just everything's do things inspirational And I was like, I want to be a Nike athlete, always since I was a kid. I mean, who didn't? Michael Jordan was the first stock I bought ever. Yeah, yeah. I want to be a Nike athlete. So I said to myself, what do Nike athletes have? Well, they have Nike clothes, and they have commercials. I need a Nike commercial if I'm going to be a Nike athlete. But I don't know Nike, so I said, I'm going to make my own. And it has to inspire people just like how a Nike commercial would. So I was looking for a videographer in L.A., couldn't find one that was within my budget or had my skill set. I'm from Atlanta, very resourceful. I was kind of like the man in Atlanta, so I could always get somebody. In L.A., big city, Hollywood, da-da-da, I couldn't find anybody. People were saying, Charlie, your budget, uh, I'm an editor, I'm not a videographer, I don't color grade, I don't make music, I don't do scoring. I'm like, I need somebody who knows how to do something. Yeah, all these things, yeah. And everybody said, what you're looking for doesn't exist here. I write down in my quantum possibilities notebook, and this is like my law of attraction. I said, Today sure. is the day I search and found, why I wrote in an incomplete sentence, I'm not sure. But today <laughs> is the day I search and found my videographer. It's done, it's easy. Quote unquote. He walked in the front door of my house. The guy who filmed my Nike commercial walked in the front door of my house. Randomly hanging out with my roommate who my roommate has never he's like in like does like whole food stuff Never hung out with a videographer a day in his life and a guy walks in holding the camera. I said you're a videographer He said, yeah, you know, like, I'm a freelance, like, I don't know really how to pay the bills doing it, but, like, sometimes I get little jobs. He's just, like, saying, dude. Yeah, and And I score, and I edit, and I do all these things, too. And I didn't know that. I am like, (laughs) let me see some of your stuff. And I said, you're really good. He said, yeah, I used to be in a rock band, like, ten years ago. I used to, like, you know, so I know music, too. I was like, you know music? like, Yeah. (laughs) I was like, yeah, bro. Uh, I was like, M- let's meet up and like let's make something. And I said, I have a vision for making a Nike commercial. Like a fan-made Nike commercial. He said, bro, that's crazy." I said, "What?" He said, "I was just meeting with my friends a week ago like saying, um, had a, he, had, he called a meeting with whiteboards and stuff and said why are all these like young guys filming all the Nike commercials not us He's 36, okay. so he's a little bit older. Yeah, yeah, and he was just frustrated And here I am saying I want to film a Nike commercial and I want you to film it He's like well, do you know Nike? I'm like no, I don't know Nike, but we're gonna get their attention somehow some way Because yeah. I write it down in my notebook. Yeah, every yeah. day. Like, yeah, like are gonna be like a Nike athlete we filmed this fan-made Nike commercial very inspirational my life oh story. yeah no
0: it's awesome it's so good it shows you in the evolution like yeah, yeah it's really good thank yeah. you it's very touching
1: and we put it out and it went viral we yeah. got over a million views yeah in three days and nike calls me and they say we don't know who you are <laughs> but you have our campus in a frenzy and i'm losing it and then yeah, they yeah. tweeted it and they did all this stuff and they flew me to beaverton oregon And they said, you have inspired us and reminded us why we come to work every day Hmm. with this film. Yeah. You've inspired us to take the company in a direction. I said, me? Yeah. And he was like, yes, anything you want, we're going to support you in it. I'm just like, wow, like this is just some big dream come true. I'd write in my notebook every day like Nike wants to work with me. Nike wants to work with me. I'm going to be in a commercial with LeBron and Serena. I'd write it down all the time, LeBron and Serena. And I have, like, my quantum possibility notebooks dating back all the way to, like, being, like, 11 years old. Like, if okay. you walk in my house, you'll see notebooks everywhere. Yeah. And I get a phone call. After I bike across America, I get a phone call from Nike. said, for the past few months, we've been working on something, and we want to include you in it. This is good news. I said, sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Whatever <laughs> it is. Yeah, I'm in. And uh, they said, just do it. 30-year anniversary is coming up, and we've got a big, big, big campaign. And uh, it ended up being the Colin Kaepernick Nike commercial. That was maybe one of the most culturally pivoting commercials of all time. They included me in it. They even named it after me. (laughs) So I created a a, a fan-made Nike commercial called Dream Crazy. Mm -hmm. About all the crazy dreamers of the world. And they titled it Dream Crazy. (laughs) And it it was just magical how it all came about yeah you know I put in the work but it was bigger than me yeah I, I strongly believe it's it's me sending out the signal from my heart that got me because I wasn't supposed to be in a commercial with LeBron and Serena yeah. and they were in a commer- they at that commercial yeah you know I was like That's I'm crazy you know like you're you're a real athlete I'm like an aspiring athlete like it's it wasn't supposed to happen but I believed bigger
0: I think it's so inspirational man Um I love it, and it's a good spot, and everyone can check it. What's the best spot? Like, on, I know your Instagram, it's on it, and mm-hmm. it's just at Charlie, mm-hmm. at Charlie. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I love it, man. And I think it is so in alignment and perfect with your brand of like crazy dreamer. Like every step along the uh, along your journey has been like well I'm gonna make it happen I'm gonna be resourceful like you said and I'm gonna put it together and I'm gonna go stand outside of that building and I'm gonna go sling CDs I'm gonna write all those things like it's it's really cool to see and then to watch you kind of tweak your dream to go in this other route, but you still use that same hustle, that same mm-hmm. fire, that same relentless mm-hmm. to do all these things. So you, um no, I love it and I want to ask you a final question. I know we need to get going here. And I actually I kinda wanna go see the shot now, We I have to <laughs> put a couple shots up real quick. But um and I'm really curious to hear what you say after all these different areas that you've touched on today. Mm-hmm. Um what for you would be the best piece of advice that you'd give to yourself? If you went back, and maybe it's, maybe it's, eighteen-year-old Charlie, and you just did the girl group, and they fired you, or Soldier Boy, and, the, and that just ended poorly, and you're in in that basement. What would be, or just advice for kids, for young people that you
1: would give, or advice for anyone? Your, yeah, your thing. I actually would never give myself advice. I wouldn't okay. go back okay. because all the things that were bad that happened to me are what made me successful. Like, yeah. Like, I looked at it like this, like, this is, like, super corny, but, like, it helped me. So, like, a negative. Mm hmm It knocks you down. Yeah. But when you get up, it's a positive. Yeah. Like, I have a brain tumor. Yeah. I was knocked down, but when I got up, it's what, like, helped me get a Nike deal. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm overweight, you know, I'm fat, you know, but I, I, um... I can't dribble good, and I can't play basketball good, but my shot was really good, so yeah. I practiced. And then yeah. I'm like able to make money shooting three-pointers against NBA players. Like, yeah. like, so things that were wrong with me are actually what made me successful. So I wouldn't change those. But the advice I would give anybody is to tap into the inner child. Mm-hmm. For me, the reason why I'm, I can walk away from my $15 million a year business and say I want to be an athlete it's because I have an imagination. Like a kid. Like, I, I don't have a measuring stick. It's like, oh, I'm going to be an athlete. Okay. I'll it's like what an eight-year-old would do. But as we get older, we lose our imagination. Because we form a measuring stick and what's realistic. But for me, like the other day, like, I wanted to um, pull out the game plan. for. I wanted to create a game plan for 2019. And I was having an imagination problem. I couldn't envision next year. So what did I do? I sat on the floor. Hmm. Because... When I was a child, and I sat on the floor, I had an imagination. So let me go back to when I was a kid. So acting like a kid is a huge secret to my success. When I did an Ironman, I just trained like an eight-year-old. Yeah. Like it was like okay, uh, Ironman, most difficult you know thing ever in the history of the world. It took me 16 hours and 41 minutes to complete. It's a triathlon: 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, 26.2 mile run. Yeah. But when I was looking at the training schedule for it, I'm like, okay, do this many uh, uh, laps at this heart rate and then do this at this and Each this. day it's broken down. And I'm just like, this is way too much information. That seems hard. Yeah. I said, okay, I just looked at the bottom. How many hours a week does an Ironman train? I said 14. I was like, huh, 14 hours a week. That's two hours a day. Well, when I was eight. Going to the park and running around for two hours wasn't hard, yeah, yeah. but riding my bike in the neighborhood all day wasn't hard. Yeah. That's two hours. Two hours is nothing. That's not like I'm going to train like an eight-year-old. And I remember when I did a Rich Roll podcast. Um, he's big vegan endurance athlete, done all the craziest things in the world. He said, so what's your strategy for this upcoming Iron Man? get it sounds like strategic. I was like, I just go play for a couple hours every day like an eight year old. He's like, Do you need any advice? I said, Nope, I'm good. I've got it figured out. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna go yeah. Yeah. play. Yeah. Run. You know, yeah. so me being a grown man, thirty year old man, but having the mentality of an eight year old has been a huge secret of my success. Yeah. Because I think things are gonna be easy. Yeah, so they become easy. If I think something's gonna be hard, I'm not going to want to do it. But I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a manager. Oh, it's going to be easy. Like, I actually show up and figure it out. Yeah. So that would be my advice to anybody. Act like an eight-year-old. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That, like, youthful exuberance. And another quality I see is that your resilience to, when you hit obstacles, like like you said, it's negative, but I bounce back up Mm -hmm. as a positive. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, And failure is just feedback for me to go on and and be greater where so many of us we we hit that roadblock and then it's like oh like people are gonna judge me or you know it just like i didn't do it what what, how i live with myself where it's like that's just feedback you learn Mm -hmm. oh well next time i gotta play a little longer i gotta Mm -hmm. but it's so funny to me how you just breezed over like oh yeah i just casually did all these triathlons and all these things like i know like that it it takes so much mental strength to be able to push your body Mm -hmm. through that kind of stuff especially if you're overweight At the time that you're doing it I don't Mm -hmm. know where you were in that range but I imagine you were still kind of losing it along the journey so um, that level of mental toughness um, it's just been consistent throughout your life and and I love it so I lied I got one more question where do you want to take all this that you have going on now that you're kind of in this inspiration motivational space Mm -hmm. you care about mental health which is a
1: huge thing it's all about touching the people now Yeah, yeah it's like how can I share my energy with people you know if I kept it to myself that's selfish I've experienced things. Yeah. I've been through things. I have lessons to teach and stories to tell. Yeah. If I hold it in, it's going to die. Yeah. Like it's this living energy that needs to get out. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm just telling my stories. Yeah. And, you know, that's <laughs> it. my stories. That's it. Yeah. I just want to go around the world and tell my stories and keep doing these missions so I have more stories to tell.
0: Yeah. I want to live it. I love it, man. Well, I appreciate you coming down here. Let's go take some shots. Uh, and I, I want to see... I did a practice I'm retired, couple man. Oh, he I'm said, I'm tired. dead, I'm dead, I'm dead. But I'm retired. Everyone needs to check out... Is it just the Charlie Rocket... Podcast, yeah, Charlie Rocket Show, Charlie Rocket Show, okay, yes, and and at, Charlie on Instagram, and at Charlie on Instagram, he's a fun follow. I was trying not to like get information on you between the last time I saw mm-hmm. you, and but your your stuff is fun. Like your content's fun. You got boards. You're talking about stuff. You're telling inside stories mm-hmm. of you in the music industry. Um, if you want to be inspired and you want a fun follow, um, follow at Charlie. So here we are. Thank we you. did it. We out of here. Travis Porter.